This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Nee Wallace-Bruce, and I am joined by Mr. Corbett Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. How you doing, Kobe? Fantastic, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, because we have a, a very special guest in the house today. She is a multiple Olympic medalist and world champion. In fact, I'm pretty sure she's won a, an Olympic medal of every color possible. She's also the holder of the Order of Newfoundland and Labrador. She is one of the greatest figure skating figures in Canadian history. It is Caitlin Osmond. Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good, very good. You're joining us from Edmonton? That is where I am. Very good. I, I'm guessing it's snowing out there as well, like it is here in Ontario? Uh, we have some snow, but we're actually dealing with a lot of freezing rain right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Well, that makes for good skating conditions. Uh, tell us how you got into skating. I got into skating through my sister. She is three years older than me. And, well, she was already starting to skate when I was born. So I, I grew up in the rink. And being the little sister that I was, I was jealous that she was on the ice and I wasn't. So I started skating because of her. Very good. Yeah, getting into your progression as a skater how early was it that you realized you had serious talent at it i i never realized that probably not until going into my second olympic games did i realize that but i started skating when i was two years old and i just couldn't imagine a, another lifestyle i just loved being on the ice and i went to my first national championships when i was 10 years old and uh so I guess then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I mean, all of your accomplishments were as a individual skater. Did you ever try pairs or no? No, I wanted to be an ice dancer. Oh. And I did try out because jumping is my least favorite part of skating. <laughs> and this was my chance to like not have to jump was to do dance. And it's still my favorite discipline to watch. And I did tryouts when I was about 10 years old, but uh, no one wanted to skate with me. So uh, I stuck with free skate after that. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah, that's interesting. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really consider that. So my understanding is that figure skating has a bit of a, I guess, a connection with ballet. You did a bit of ballet when you were developing as a figure skater, is that right? Yes, I did a lot of ballet up until my last year of skating. Right. And is that the norm for figure skaters that they do ballet as part of their training and uh, development? 
in my experience it is uh i never went to like ballet classes or ballet school we often had a ballet instructor that would show up to the rink and would do a lot of ballet training centered towards skating so it's to gain flexibility gain balance work on the gracefulness and learning like how to hold your hands hold your arms and keeping your posture while doing these big tricks and trying to stay balanced and all that fun stuff so ballet is a great like off-ice training version of skating. <laughs> Aha, fair enough. So when it comes to the routines that you that you perform on ice, do you have a favorite? Oh, that is a tough question. I have a lot of favorites because I like a lot of my programs <laughs> that I've skated to. My two all-time favorites would probably be my last two that I ever competed, which was Edith Piaf and Black Swan. Mainly because the NFPF program was sassy and quirky, and that's very much me. <laughs> so that was just super fun to, to skate to. And then the Black Swan, I had a fascination with Swan Lake ever since I was a kid, and I wanted to skate to it when I was like four years old. And I just never had the opportunity to. And then when I saw Black Swan, it much more matched my style of skating, the more powerful, the dark haired version of the white swan. So I was pretty much begging for that program every single year from the time that the movie came out. And I don't know what year that was, but it was a while ago. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't until my last year where my coach finally agreed that I could skate to it. So by then I had to make it look nice since I begged for it for so long. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, how much influence do you have to the choreography of your of your actual skating events? It depended on which choreographer I worked with. My longtime choreographer, Lance Vipont, I started working with him when I was 10 years old. And him and I had a really good mutual choreographic style where he would give me the choreography, but I'd put my spin on it. And then if my spin didn't look nice, he'll just take it out and we'll try again. But that way I had a lot of my own personality in my skating and that's kind of what made it feel more natural, more comfortable and more fun to skate. And he would just clean everything up for me. Other times choreographer pretty much had everything planned and I just had to get comfortable with it. So, uh, <laughs> and if something really wasn't working, we'd go back and change it. <laughs> now, did you have an influence on where the like specific elements would be placed within the choreography or is that generally a certain sort of set group of jumps and such you have to do and it kind of go in order? There were specific jumps and stuff that I had to do and it was trial and error with me and my my coach Ravualia on figuring out which order worked best, what made me skate the best I could. And throughout the years, we kind of discovered what worked best <laughs> and for the last like three years, if you watch any of my programs, they're the exact same order okay, <laughs> and they look the same <laughs> except for the choreography in between it. So we'd usually have the layout of the program set and then mix a choreography from there. Okay. No, that's kind of interesting. So basically you found the order in which the elements had to be for you to get the most out of them. And then you just filled in between with the choreography. Exactly. And we learned uh, where I had to take a breath, where I had to take, you know, maybe five extra seconds to do some extra choreography so I can make it to the end of my program. And in my last year, we did try to change the order once. 
in one element and I was so excited to change it and we tried it for three competitions it really didn't work so we're like all right before this last competition we're gonna change this back and which triple triple combination was your favorite uh triple flip triple toe by far cool yeah that's awesome I like the sound of that uh it's well you literally were doing what you love in terms of the choreography and you were doing it well so Take us through it when when you started to go on the international circuit, traveling to to Drift and Grand Prix. Did you have a favorite place where you liked to skate? Uh, so many places. Uh, my very first international competition when I was junior was in Japan, and that was my first time out of the country, first time representing Canada, and it's the first time I realized I had a lot of work to do in skating. <laughs> I was going in with very inconsistent triples and I only had two of them. And the other girl on the ice with me was doing triple S, triple toe, like it, it, she was sleeping. And I was like, uh, I don't think I'm at the right competition. <laughs> I'm definitely in a different spectrum from these people. And from there, I just gained like this huge fascination for competing in Japan. And I'm thankful that I've got to go back like 14 times in my career, 15 times, because that is my favorite place to compete outside of Canada. Nice. Yeah, it's a unique part of the world. I've been there two or three times myself, and I have heard about it as a as a good place to figure skate as well. I remember the story of Katarina Witt. I believe she won her first title in Japan. I guess figure skating is a big thing over there. It's huge. And it's not just that it's a big sport there. The audience is always full. There's always so many, so many people. And then they treat you like rock stars there. Like you show up to the hotel and the lobby is just full of fans. And it's very satisfying as a skater, in my opinion, because <laughs> we don't get there very often. And it's not just that there's so many of them that... Uh, enjoy the sport but they're so knowledgeable towards the sport that mm. they'll ch- they'll show up to an event with like 10 different flags in their back so that they can show their support for each country uh and they know like what you did well for you and they'll know like if the judges were accurate and i don't know it's just everything was so respectful and it's like the definition of sportsmanship <laughs> mm-hmm. yes the the japanese are very very respectful. This I couldn't imagine anyone booing from the stands at a, at a Japanese meet. Maybe if it was one of their skaters that didn't get the score, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like they would just politely chastise you or something, even if you were from the home nation. Remain too quiet, right? Mm. Uh, what would you consider to be your single greatest achievement as a skater? Mm. That is a tough question. Uh, (laughs) It's something that I've put a lot of thought into and I still don't fully know the answer. (laughs) And I think my greatest achievement for now is, yeah, the, the Olympics were incredible, but the world championships that I won right after the Olympics was much more of an accomplishment for me because I was in rough shape after the Olympics. I was so tired (laughs) and I was injured. I hurt my back all year and I was dealing with a back injury. I came out of the Olympics just emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted. And we really started questioning on if I was going to go to the world championships afterwards. We're like, is it really worth it? Like I came second the year before, like, do I need to try again? (laughs) And 
I went there the very first practice, I sprained my ankle and I was like, all right, yes, we are not meant to be here. And after the short program, I was in fourth. And if anyone will watch me skating growing up, we know that my short program is usually my much more strong suit. And I'm like holding on for dear life in my long program. So for me to be in fourth, I was like, well, maybe I'm not going to hit the podium this year. And then I went out thinking that I just wasn't going to make it through my long program at all. Like I was halfway through my program trying to find a way that I could like fall hard enough to hurt myself enough to get off, but not hurt myself enough to like actually injure myself. This is just what's going on in my head. I wasn't actually going to do it. (laughs) And uh, for me to go out and put it a clean skate, that was a huge accomplishment for me and something I was super proud of. And then winning was just a cherry on top after that. But um, that was where I felt most accomplished for myself. No, that's awesome. Understandably so. Now, you mentioned a couple of injuries. Injuries are a part of ice skating, but you've gone through some serious ones. How how important is the bounce back after an injury? Every time I got injured, they were annoyingly happening often. <laughs> but... Something that my coach and I kept putting into perspective is that each time I came back from an injury, I got better than the time before. And mainly because I had to focus so much on my body and making sure that the muscles recovered properly or the bones recover properly sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that just spent a lot of time at physio, at psychology, at massage therapy, like really focusing on my recovery and my preparation for skating every day. And every time I got injured, it made me step back, take a couple steps back. And my coach always said that he got to clean up the things that he hated about my skating every time I got injured, the things that I would do naturally, but it wasn't always naturally the best thing to land on your feet at all times. Uh, So he'd take a step back and really focus on the technique uh, so that when I learned my jumps again or learned the steps again or learned how to straighten my leg again, it was always better and stronger than it was before. So if you take it that way, then the injuries don't take so much like energy away from you because you'll know that you'll come back better. It just might take a few times. And that recovery process, how, how important was that into developing your mental toughness? For a lot of my injuries, I was doing really well at just wanting to get back on the ice afterwards. So the psychology around it was mainly, let's get my body fixed so that I can get on the ice and get better again. When I broke my leg back in 2014, my mental aspect took a lot more of a hit than the actual physical injury. And it was really important for me to show up to physio every day and show up to the rink every day once I was allowed. But my, my brain wasn't in it. I was like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, but I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to try this again. I don't want to get injured again. And I said that to myself so many times that it took a long time for me to recover from that. And I ended up having to go to psychology for about six months before my brain started saying, okay, no, we can do this again. No, that's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, it's that's something that people sometimes don't want to talk about, but it's it's good to hear that you brought it up, that you realized and you accepted that I need some additional help here to get myself get my mind right. And of course, it obviously it worked. Now, in these competitions, as a spectator, who impressed you the most during your tenure in competitive ice skating? As a spectator. As a spectator. Uh... 
Oh, I never wa- I never watched. Is that bad? R- really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. When I was younger, like when I first started going out into competitions, mm-hmm. I would watch the people that would be on my practices with me because I'd have to watch out for them so I didn't run into them. Yeah. And I was just so focused on not getting hit by all these amazing people that I don't think I fully realized what they were doing. And then as I got older, I started being in the last couple of groups and, or the last group to, of skaters to skate. And I couldn't watch people before I skated. It never went well. I couldn't even watch like other events before I skated because I get so nervous for other people that I would waste all of my energy oh, on yeah. watching them skate before I even got a chance to. Um, <laughs> so in that retrospect, I really just couldn't watch skating while I competed. And I didn't actually start spectating and watching and becoming a fan of skating until I retired. <laughs> okay. So, okay. On that note, uh, is there anyone that can challenge the Russians, uh, women's individual at Beijing? It'll be tough because, well, the Russians are just absolutely dominating the sport right now. They're incredible. Yeah. But someone that has been severely impressing me recently, and she impressed me back in 2018 when she came second at the World Championships, was Wakaba uh, Higuchi. And she's putting out so many strong skates this year. And I'm so excited to watch her this year and hope that she can challenge uh, the Russian competitors. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's it's only a couple of months away now that the Beijing Olympics are you going to miss it when you see the, I guess, the athletes walk out in the opening ceremony? I don't know if I will for the opening because I never actually went to either of my opening ceremonies. So right. I don't really like they happened, but I never got to like experience it. Uh, in Russia at the 2014 games, I slept through the opening ceremonies, so I didn't see any of it. And in 2018, I did sit down and watch some of it with like other competitors who weren't walking, but I was competing the next day. So my head wasn't really in it. So I don't think I'll, I'll really miss it during the opening walk-in, but definitely like while they're competing and especially the closing ceremonies. I love the closing ceremonies when everyone's just celebrating and happy and not stressed out anymore. That was my favorite part. Nice. Nice. And nowadays I believe you're studying journalism. Is that right? Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that. When I was 16, I got interviewed for my first time at a senior event, and I was just so amazed by the process. I don't know. It's literally just talking, but I was amazed by talking. And I got to see like how each person interacts differently in like mix zones and backstage. And I was so fascinated by all of that. And I really just wanted to learn more about... well. I didn't want to learn quite yet, but I was fascinated by it. And then as I got older, I started reading some of my own interviews and how they were written after what I said. And I was like, did they really understand that from the words I said? (laughs) And I was like, did they twist my words? Did they, did I actually say that? I'm like, I don't know. And I was so curious then, like, if I was to interview someone else, like, would I take their words differently than what they're actually telling me or what they're trying to tell me. And then I just started wanting to know more about the writing side and 
how to actually interview people and wondering why the number one question after someone skates terribly is how do you feel after that skate? I'm like, (laughs) obviously horrible. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, I feel fantastic after I fell seven times. I don't know. So I just, I wanted to learn more about just why people ask the questions they do. Right. You want to be part of the change. (laughs) And then I started doing interviews myself and realized I am apparently not changing and I will ask the exact same questions. And I'm like, no, (laughs) we got to switch this up a little bit. (laughs) There we go. There we go. So do you want to be in sports journalism specifically or would you rather do a different type of journalism? Originally, I started because I wanted to be involved in skating still. I wanted to commentate for skating and um, be like behind the scenes of skating and see it from a different perspective, but still having like the competitor's mindset. And I am thankfully able to do that now. I'm starting commentating a little bit for Skate Canada and all that fun stuff. So that's exciting. But the more I was in school, the more I started liking other aspects of journalism. I love radio. I would love to be on radio (laughs) and not just talk about sports. Here in Edmonton, there's a radio station called Kissing Country, and their morning show has been my favorite since I was like 13, 14 years old. And each time I listen to them, I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So who knows? There's so many things that I want to (laughs) try. Nice. Well, we look forward to seeing your progress in that, no doubt. Will you be commenting on the Beijing Olympics? I'm not sure about the Beijing Olympics yet, but I will be at the national championships. So uh, I'm excited for our qualifiers. Right on. And is there any particular uh, up-and-coming Canadians we should be watching for? Uh, In the senior events, it's going to be an interesting nationals this year. Madeline Skizas has been doing really well internationally, and I think she is the hopeful for, for the Beijing Olympics for women. Yeah. Along with Gabby Daleman, she's she's still competing. She's had a rough couple of years, but I competed for against her for many years. I know she's not out yet. She's tough when she has to be. She kept me on my toes for too many years for me to count her out. <laughs> and then at the challenge event, there was a lot of young skaters that had a lot of promise. And uh, the girl who came second at the challenge event last, last week, which is our qualifiers for nationals, Amanda Tobin had a great skate and I never really watched her skate before. So to see someone like impress me the way she did, I'm excited to see her at nationals. Right on. Now those names will definitely be watching out for for sure. Then now you've bounced all over Canada and you've competed all over the world. Is there anywhere you've been that feels like home that isn't home? Japan has kind of started feeling like that. Just because I've been there so many times that I recognize the airport. (laughs) And apparently me recognizing the airport is what makes it feel like home. But there was two competitions that I did. They were like the first ones of the year. And one was in Finland and one was in uh, Germany. And the towns were just always super small. And I felt super comfortable like walking uh, walking out of my hotel, going for walks around they felt so homey. Like I got excited to go to these events 
And I felt like I was just going to practice when I was getting ready for the competition, just walking to the rink. And it felt so comfortable and amazing. And like me and my coach were just happy the whole weekend because it was just so relaxed and chill. So I guess those two places kind of felt like home. Okay. No, that makes total sense. And you've done stints with like stars on ice and such. You got to skate with some of the other Canadian greats. I'm hoping you spent some time admiring virtue and more (laughs) how was that they are incredible uh being able to perform with them is just remarkable they're so talented and the way that they just easily skate is so fascinating to me because skating never felt natural to me (laughs) so to see them just look like they're just able to move that way i don't know i'm always just in awe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no fair, fair enough so am i yeah it's uh i guess that's greatness recognizing greatness because not many of us can say that one we've been to the olympics or two that we've you know made the podium and won gold at the olympics so you tessa and scott you're definitely in rarefied air with that and you yourself you have a highway named after you and also an arena how does that feel It is strange, (laughs) for lack of better ways of saying it. It is really cool. It's a fun story to tell people when I meet them. I usually don't bring it up right away because that's a little weird in my opinion. But it is... It is fun going home and my brother still lives there. My my grandparents still live there. So whenever I get to go visit, it's it's always a little boost to my ego whenever I see it. And then Especially the rink. Seeing the rink renamed after me is more special than the highway as because, well, because that rink is where I started skating. I started there when I was two years old. I literally grew up in that building. So to see my name on that, it's it's very, very special. I, I recognize that now, but as I was growing up and things were being renamed after me, I I didn't know what to think because I was like, why are they doing this? Like, I'm just competing. And I didn't see myself as like a top skater, even though I was meddling at Olympics. I don't know why, but I never saw myself as one of the top athletes and I never felt good enough to be recognized for all these things. Now I look back and realize I was just heavily critical about my own skating, (laughs) but it's very, it's very amazing. And I love seeing it and hearing about it now. Yeah, no, that's good because you should be proud of those efforts. Uh, I'm sure you are now, but you have your town, your, your province, and the country is very proud of your efforts. So that's the level of recognition there. And I hope this sports like figure skating get more recognition when athletes do well because I feel like, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm speaking out of line here, but I feel like a sport like yours doesn't get enough recognition compared to, say, the hockey team when they win gold. Mm, I completely agree. (laughs) In other countries, skating gets a lot more recognition. In Canada, we get a lot of recognition during an Olympic season. But the four years in between the Olympic seasons, it definitely loses a lot of the spectators. And I've witnessed skating well I haven't witnessed it because I was born in 95 but I know people (laughs) who witnessed the skating of like the 80s and 90s in like in Canada and it was so big and recognized and 
that helps skaters develop because they're excited. That's why hockey is so big in Canada because they see all these big hockey teams doing well and they endorse it and kids get excited. So they want to do well and they want to be the next big hockey player. So I think if more sports got the same recognition, we'd have just more developing athletes again. Mm, that's the thing. And when young boys and girls see athletes like yourself doing well like that, then I guess there's more of an aspiration to get involved. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, you were inspired by seeing the, um, I forget her name, from the Vancouver Olympics. Oh. Joanne. Yes. But that's the kind of thing, like, that's, that's what keeps the sport going, keeps it growing. So hopefully uh, Beijing is a, keeps the ball rolling. I don't, I guess, snowballing as I see the snow falling outside. <laughs> Of course. And just acknowledging that within Canada itself, we have such a strong field. Um, it just got to be redeveloped again. And there's a lot of young skaters growing up. And for other skaters in Canada, I hope they just don't notice that there's a lot of skaters from Quebec. Yes, there's a lot of skaters from Ontario or Vancouver, but you don't have to be from these places to do that well. I started my journey in Newfoundland and then I ended up in Edmonton where people were always telling me, why are you still living here and working with, why are you not skating with the other top skaters like in Toronto where they were winning world medals and Olympic medals? And I was like, obviously what I'm doing here is still working. So <laughs> I feel more comfortable here and I liked training here and I stayed here because of it and I loved my coach, which helped tremendously. So I hope people realize that they don't have to be from the big cities where a lot of big skaters are coming from. Um, and you can do things from the smaller places to still develop. There we go. There we go. So, so Caitlin, we can find you on, on Instagram at Kate Kiss and on Twitter at Caitlin underscore 23. Is there anywhere else on social media where we can follow you or is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, Instagram is pretty much what I'm always on. So if you try to reach out on Twitter, I actually don't think I know my login information anymore. <laughs> I logged out during the world championships last year and I can't seem to log back on, on any of my devices. So maybe I'll be back soon, but I can't promise anything. Other than that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome to talk to you. I got to ask you, even though you're not using your Twitter, why 23? This is really funny. My favorite show growing up was One Tree Hill. And okay. the main basketball player's number was 23. And I was jealous. And I was watching that when I was watching, when I was making my Twitter account. So that is solely where I came from. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it could have just been, well, that's the one they gave me because the other 22 were taken. That's a far better answer. <laughs> nope, just because I was a teenager watching One Tree Hill. No, that's cool. It's good to talk to you, Caitlin. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter. <laughs>